got a job at the local grocery store, and that particular morning he was in the produce section. And he was kind of putting things where they ought to be in the display, and a lady came up, and she was looking at the heads of lettuce, and she had decided she just wanted half a head of lettuce. And she, she asked the boy if she could just get half a head of lettuce, and he did his best to uh, persuade her to get the whole thing. But she was persistent, and finally he said, well, I'm going to have to go talk to my boss. This is my first day on the job, and I'm not sure we can, we can do that. So he made his way back to the back of the store. All the time, she was right on his tail. And he had no idea that she was behind him. And he found his boss, and he said, Hey, there's a crazy old lady out here who wants half a head of lettuce. And when he saw the expression on his boss's face, he knew that she was right there. So he said, But this nice lady behind me would like the other half a head of lettuce. Would that be okay? And the manager said, sure, give her her lettuce, and uh, uh, he did. And later on in the day, the boss came up to the boy, and he, um, he complimented him on his ability to think on his feet and to uh, quickly react to a very hard situation. And the boss said, hey, where are you from? He said, well, I'm originally from Canada, the home of beautiful hockey players and ugly women. And his boss said, hey, my wife's from Canada. And the boy said, well, who does she play for? (laughs) Our words can get us in trouble, can't they? I mean, if we're not careful, we have to be careful what we say. If not, it can cause us some difficult difficulties. And a tongue out of control can lead us into very hard situations. If you speak when you're angry, you're probably going to give the best speech you will want to forget. Words to the wise, when your mind goes blank, turn off the sound. Maybe you've heard it said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's not true, is it? Words can't hurt, can't they? The bruises and breaks from sticks and stones will heal, but the words seem to hang on forever. When our little ones are melting down, A lot of times I hear Lindsay, Matt, Andy, and Abby say, okay, now use your nice words. Or they'll say things like, use your inside voice when we're here to kind of control the uncontrollable scenario. Uncontrolled tongues can do a lot of damage. They can topple governments. They can wreck marriages, ruin careers. Uncontrolled tongues can destroy reputations, separate family and friends. They can cause nightmares, spawn suspicion. They can generate grief and illness, and they can terminate trust. These little words that evidently can't hurt us can do a lot of damage. Today we're in the What If series again, and we've talked already about forgiveness, and we've talked about controlling our thoughts, and I told you that was probably one of the most hardest disciplines that is before us. And today I think this discipline, this thing about words, may be the hardest. We have also talked about letting go of worry. But this whole word thing seems to be pretty big. And in fact, it's so big we're going to do this in two parts. Next Sunday, my oldest son Matt will be with us. 
Matt is the student minister at First Christian Church in Champaign, Illinois, and he will bring this session to a close next week. Words part one, next week, words part two. The reason I say that, James 3, 8 says, No man, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And maybe you can't completely tame the tongue and you can't tame it like you would a wild animal. But you can learn to control it, can't you? We can learn to think before we speak, can't we? We can do our best to let good things come out of us instead of, of evil things. James tells us in his words that we need to learn to keep a tight rein, tight hold on our tongue. In James 1.26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Anybody here want a worthless religion today? I don't think so. So if that's the case, one thing that we had better learn to do is keep a control on our tongue. So learning to control the tongue, it's not an optional pursuit of the Christian. It's a requirement for all of us. And some of us are better at it than others, are we not? I like to uh, express myself when I'm driving with other drivers. Have you ever done that? When I'm driving, there might be a lot of bucket heads and dumb suckers out there. Our boys, when they were young, they asked their mom, how come there were just bucket heads and dumb suckers when dad was driving and none when she was driving? It's one of those things we have to work at. Here's a couple problems that, that is caused by the wrong use of words. And the first is that it can destroy relationships. I mean, the way we talk to our kids, the way we talk to our spouse, the way we talk to our friends, the way we talk to people in general can either make or break that relationship or that encounter. The major cause of divorce in our culture is not infidelity. The major cause is the accumulative buildup of words that is used in the home. Fail to use Good words when you're in conflict with your wife is going to be a problem or with your husband going to be a problem. The lack of words can also take a toll on a relationship. It's all about communication and that biggest conflict in marriage in our culture has to do with finances. That's what the experts tell us. Some people say, well, we don't have to worry about finances because we don't have any. I get it, but that's still a source of conflict in communication. There was a couple that had been married for 60 years. And throughout their life, they had shared everything together. That's just the way they did things. They had a deep love for one another. They said they kept no secrets from one another. Except for one little small shoebox that she kept up in the closet. And she told her husband when they were married never to open the shoebox. Don't ask me any questions about it, she said. I can't tell you what's in that shoebox. I don't, can't tell you why it's there. Just don't bother the shoebox. And evidently, he maintained his promise to her until 
she became ill and there was no hope of recovery and when they were in the hospital they talked about the shoebox and she finally gave him her permission to look inside and he did when he got home he opened the shoebox and he found two crocheted dolls and a big wad of money and he counted the money and there was $15,000 in that box so when he got back to the hospital he had the shoebox with him and he said honey I, I need to ask you about this box I found the two dolls and they're beautiful dolls and what's that about and she said when we were first married my grandma told me that whenever we were about to have an argument don't say things don't argue just crochet a doll and put it in a box or somewhere where you can keep it safe and the man thought that that was a great thing in fact he started to tear up because there were just two doll babies in this box thinking that maybe they had just had two two episodes And he thought that was pretty good for 60 years of marriage. So I said, what's the 15 grand for? There's a lot of money here. And she said, well, only two dolls would fit in the box. And whenever I had a third one, I sold it to the local craft store. And that's where I got the $15,000. He thought everything was fine. He thought... They had no issues. He probably said some things he shouldn't have said, but she maintained her promise to Grandma, and she just crocheted and and then sold some doll babies for 60 years. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Words can hurt, and they usually last a lot longer than the other. So wrong words can destroy relationships, and wrong words can make bad situations even worse. So we have to be careful what we say and when we say it and how we say it. When you speak with negative words into negative situations, they tend to fan the negative flames, don't they? Have you ever said something that you wish you had not? kind of hard to take those words back isn't it oh we wish we could maybe our kids push us to the edge up one wall across the ceiling down the other wall maybe it's one of those days maybe we say things or call them things that we really shouldn't say or call them or maybe with your wife or maybe with your husband or maybe with a friend you let your words get out of control rabbi joseph tolishkin the author of Words That Hurt and Words That Heal, lectures all over our country. And he says whenever he does a lecture, he asks the audience, the participants, if they could go 24 hours without saying a bad thing about someone or something. And he says he usually has three responses. Some people raise their hand and they shake their head. Yeah, I could do that. Another portion of the population usually laugh when they consider that. There's no way I could. And then there's another portion who just say, no, couldn't do it. Don't even want to try to do it because I'm not sure I can. I wonder if I were to ask that question here today, just for fun. I know it's Sunday and it's church. Just for fun. I wonder how many people here could go through a 
whole day, 24 hours without saying anything negative or bad or out of sorts. I wonder how many of us could do that. I wonder how many of us in our mind right now are laughing, thinking, ah, he is crazy. I wonder how many would say there's no way. I'm a boy, I talk like what? A boy. Have you ever heard someone say that? Girls talk that way too. I'm telling you. We have to be careful what we say and how we say it and when we say it and where we say it. James says it's hard to control the tongue. No man can control it. Maybe we can keep it in check because the Bible says we can do that. In Philippians 4, we can do all things. Even control our mouths. Have you ever been around a mouthy kid? (laughs) Don't you just want to get them? Around our house when I was growing up, we had soap words. You know what I'm talking about? I have a bar of soap in my office I left on my desk today. I wanted to bring and show you. It's a bar of Grandma's Lye Soap. And it says what it's good for. The very last thing on the list is taking care of soap words. You know, if you remember back in the day, if you ever said one of those words and you had that bar of soap laying around, back in my day it was ivory. That's the only kind of soap there was back in the day, ivory. It floated, even in the bathtub, it would float. They didn't, I don't know what Irish spring would taste like to you. Maybe pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Ivory, not so good. I'm telling you, once you have a little deal with the soap words, you don't say those words anymore, do you? That's kind of what you do. Two questions today, just like these past few weeks. Two questions I want to ask and answer, and then we're done. The first is this, what good will it do to control your words? And if you are willing to take control of your words, you can begin to create changes in your life. And here's the first thing, you will become actually a better person. You'll be a better person if you watch what you say, think before you say it, think before you unload your wagon. A couple of weeks ago, I shared a quote from Norman Vincent Peale who said, change your thoughts and change your world. There's another principle here to keep in mind. Change your words and you can change yourself. You don't have to talk that way. I've said this before. Some people say, excuse my what? French? Ain't French. Had a couple years of Spanish. Ain't Spanish either. We have to be careful what we say and how we say it and where we say it and when we say it. If you can control that part of you, it will help you be a better person. The other, or another advantage is taking control of your words is is when you use the right kind of words, you're more likely to build people up instead of tearing them down. I've been back home for a couple days, left Thursday at lunchtime, didn't come back from lunch, headed north to move my mom and dad back into their house. And we got everything back there, but it's not quite livable yet, but it will be in a week or ten days. We were going to lunch, I think it was Friday. We were at a stop sign in Paris, Illinois. The road turns into a one-way road, and it's kind of weird, kind of confusing. Came to a stop, and there was a semi-truck in the outside lane and a car here, and the truck starts to turn across the lane. 
And you could see it coming. It was like it was in slow motion. And it hits the car and starts almost crushing the car. The truck stops and the glass is popping out of the car. And we jumped out of the car and we went over to where this lady was. And she rode down the window and we asked her if she was okay. We opened her door. She was trying to call her husband. And Matt asked if he could call her husband for her. And she said, yeah. And she punched in the numbers. And she was pretty composed until that. And then she just lost it. She began to shake and to cry and to sob. And my dad was patting her hand. And I told this guy behind me to call 911. And as soon as Matt got a hold of her husband, he was in a meeting. And his secretary said, well, he was busy right now. And Matt said, you better interrupt him because his wife's just been in an accident. She's okay, but she's just been in an accident. About three minutes later, this guy comes screaming up in a truck and he skids to a stop. And he goes, that's my wife. That's my wife. I don't know if it scared her or comforted her. But once he got there and they realized things were okay, things began to, to quiet down. In the heat of the moment, what's really inside of us comes out, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that true? Most everybody can control what they say, control what they think, until they're in the heat of the moment, and then what's inside of us really comes out. I mean, what do you say when you hit your thumb with a hammer? Well, that was good. What comes out? What do you say to your children when they come home and they have a D minus on their test? Look, Dad, I'm just like you. What do we say? What really comes out of us is usually inside of us, isn't it? Ephesians 4.29, catch this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know what I don't like about that? A three-letter word. Any. It doesn't say, don't let some unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let a little bit. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Anybody here ever done any unwholesome talking? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it will benefit those who listen. You see, our words have the power to tear people down or to build people up, and I think we all have a choice of what kind of words we use when we use words, don't we? What kind of words do you use? What kind of words are you known for? You see, what's really inside of you will eventually come out. Another thing, when you work hard to control your words, you give glory to God. And this is a big deal. You see, Psalm 63 3 says, My lips or my words will glorify you. The Bible is clear. One of the reasons that we are put on earth is to glorify God with our words. And we are also called to glorify God with our actions. We must always remember that God places high importance on the things we say. And he wants to hear our praise but he also wants us to share words of love and to praise each other and to help others out. The traffic in Paris, Illinois was 
snarled for a while. And finally, I, the truck driver came out of his truck and he goes, is this your car? And I said, yeah. He said, what would you see? I said, oh, I saw your truck turn across a lane of traffic and hit a car. That's a one-way street. And then his wife or whoever got out of the car, he began to tell her in Spanish that that was a one-way street. Police officer came up and said, hey, I got a bunch of people going to lunch. If you're done with me, I'm out. He goes, just give me your name and number. If I need anything, I'll call you. It looks pretty cut and dried here. Well, about an hour and a half later, he gave me a call and said, hey, Mr. Clark, um, just answer a couple questions for me about what you saw, and we'll get on with this thing. And I told him what I saw again. You know, words can have power, can't they? And they can be harsh. If people would have ran up to that poor lady and said, what's wrong with you, you woman driver? That wouldn't have been very appropriate, you think? What's wrong with you, you big truck driver? Not very appropriate, you think? Police officers, very polite, handle it quite well. The other people there were at her beck and call, and her husband, once he got there, kind of calmed everything down. Question two, how can we put this into practice? Three things I want to share, then we're done this morning, okay? And the first is this, don't say everything you know. There are times when it just isn't appropriate. You may know something about someone, but just because you know it, even if it's true, doesn't mean you need to share it. And how do we get around that in the church? You know, they call that gossip, and Matt will speak to that issue next week. How do we get around that in the church? Usually during our prayer time. Isn't that what we do? Have you heard about Molly? Well, no, what? Well, we need to pray about her. And then you go into a 20-minute dissertation about what's happened to Molly. Probably information Molly does not want you sharing. But we have a tendency to want to share. Don't say everything you know. Proverbs 17, 27 says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Before you speak, the Bible says, consider saying nothing at all because you don't have to say everything you know. The second thing I want to point my finger to, you don't have to say everything you think. Isn't this good? There are some people who can think and think they know a little bit about everything more than any other person. Maybe you recognize this guy up here. Do I have any Cheers fans out here? That's Cliff. And if you remember any of those episodes, Cliff never shut up about anything. He always had an answer. He always had a comment. He knew everything, or he thought he did, about it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Understand, Solomon said in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. So you don't have to say everything you think. Don't have to say everything you know. And one more thing, you don't have to repeat everything you hear. It destroys relationships. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, A perverse man stirs up dissension. And a gossip separates friends. 
You know, that's something to think about, stirring up things, talking bad about someone. God considers those things perverse. Anybody here ever talk bad about someone? Anybody here have a knack for stirring things up? Understand, God calls you perverse. Listen to Titus 3, verses 10 and 11. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, the third time, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped, I love that word, and sinful, and self-condemned. Okay, even Cub fans get this, okay? One strike, two strike, what? Three strikes and you're, you're out. Warn them once, warn them twice, third time, it's over. They are warped. Anybody ever call you warped? What's that mean? It means you're a little nuts, man. Warped, sinful, and self-condemned. Think before you speak. Consider not saying anything at all. Don't repeat everything you hear. Proverbs ten nineteen says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Okay, here are the what ifs. What if we got better at forgiveness around this place? Would we be better people? Do this. Yep. Would this be a better place? You betcha. What if, what if we got better at controlling our thoughts? What if we got better at not worrying? What if we got better at controlling our words? Would we be better people? You know, what's inside of us, sooner or later, will come out of us. I got a plate of cookies here. and You know what goes great with cookies? Milk. I love cookies and milk. I mean, they just kind of go together, don't they? I mean, here's a chocolate chip one, and here's a white chocolate chip with macadamia nut. I'm going in. Now, that's a good cookie. That ain't milk. I mean, it doesn't even look like milk. Doesn't doesn't smell like, I mean, that ain't milk. Not a problem. Anybody here like nachos? I love nachos. My friend, Josiah, tells me there's a new nacho out there. It's called roulette nacho. One out of every five chips is so hot it will blow your mind, right? I mean, it's out there now. You know why I love my nachos? Ice cold Diet Coke. I would say ski or Pepsi or something like that, but I'm a Diet Coke guy now. You just got to have something with bubbles, don't you? It just kind of takes the edge off. Because nachos can be kind of spicy, Diet Coke. It's not Diet Coke. Have you ever done that? You thought you were drinking something that was something else, and it's just like, yeah, what is that? Why is this not milk? What do you think's in here? Water? Kentuckians what? I'll slow it down. Water? Why is this not Diet Coke? Water, right? You know what Jesus says? He says, out of the overflow of our heart, what's inside of us, will come out of our mouth. 
It's water because this is water. This is not rocket science. This is water because this is water. My question for you today, I wonder what's inside of you today. I mean, I really want, really want to know what's inside of you. If the heat were on today, what would come out of you? What would you say? How would you say it? When would you say it? I'm going to ask our elders and their wives, if they would, to take their place.